Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you a rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on this weekend's UFC event. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado. We're coming to you guys straight from the end of UFC 284, going down in Perth, Australia, and a title-retaining victory for Islam Makachev in the main event, defeating Alexander Volkanovsky by unanimous decision in a fight that is going to uh, raise a lot of controversy and a lot of hackles. I don't think it was misscored at all, really. Right, right. correct. But it's it one doesn't of, feel it doesn't feel like Islam won that fight. Though. It does not feel <laughs> like he won it, and it especially doesn't feel like he won it because it's not just the last round where he got he got thrashed, really, for the last yeah. half of the last round, and it's never a good look to end your fight getting thrashed for two minutes straight. Uh, but also the fourth round. He really just, like, he was losing the early part of the round. He got a takedown. He got to a back control position. And then he just stayed there and got out-punched while while on Volkanovski's back. Like, I know the judges should score that for him. The aggressive grappling, the position advancement, the dominant position is going to conquer on the ground like that. But it's like when, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, Bill Algio. Bill Algio or Pena, uh, Luis Pena. He had that fight, I think it was with Steve Garcia, where he was just like, he won it, but he was miserable after it because he just yeah. hung on Garcia's back and Garcia beat him up with Pena on his back. And it's just one of those positions like, you are in such a dominant position right there. There's no good excuse for getting beat like that. <laughs> for having somebody yeah. be able to punch you over the shoulder in the head with more force. Like, you can elbow the guy in the side of the head. What are you doing? You're right there. You know? Yeah, that's it's definitely a weird position because, yeah. you know, we're watching it and Makachev has all the control. Yep. Um, but he's getting he's getting punched a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I want... How, do you do you know how many punches Volkanovski landed, and not significant, the insignificant ones? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking a look. In round uh, four, he was credited with and this. I'm already thinking this isn't right. But let me see. Round four. Okay, no, no, there we go. Credited with six significant strikes and 49 total strikes. So. <laughs> 43 strikes over the shoulder to Makachev's head with Makachev on his back. By comparison, Makachev had 19 in that. Or he had four significant strikes. He had 15 strikes in that same on Volkanovsky's back. Yeah. See, that's like, tough. That is tough. That is the thing where it's like, I get it. I get that you're going to win this round because we do have to weigh advanced. We we have to weigh good offensive grappling positions on the mat as scoring criteria. I want that. Like you can't just have grappling, not score for anything other than a submission attempt. You have to be able to score like, Oh, you got to side control. You pass to half guard. You're in Mount. 
these are all scoring moves. They are offensive, aggressive grappling. But it is it doesn't lend the feeling of Makachev winning the fight. So you had back-to-back rounds at the end of this fight where it just doesn't feel like he got anything positive done. And he lost an early round on two judges' scorecards. So it is really one of those fights where I'm not going to say Volkanovski got robbed by the definite, by the letter of the law, by the scoring criteria. Islam Makachev won that fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's such a, like, again, I'm going to say weird a bunch, but it's weird because, I mean, Islam, he did great. His his counters were phenomenal. They were, his straight punches were so stiff. I mean, he was wobbling Volkanovsky. He dropped him to a knee there in the first round. Like, his his striking, his striking is what won him the fight. In yeah. my opinion. Absolutely is, because rounds one and two, those were the close rounds where his bigger, better strikes landed were what made the difference, you know? Well, and his grappling control in round one as well. But especially in round two, that was a dead even. They landed 19 non-significant strikes. They landed, or they landed 19 significant strikes. They each landed 30 non-significant strikes. They each had 50 seconds of ground control. And the only notable difference in round two is that Islam Makachev wobbled Volkanovsky. Mm-hmm. That is really, if you want to get right down to it, that is the entire fight right there. Yeah. The stand up. Yep. And he was doing really well in the clinch with his knees. Yeah, those those were great clinch knees. Snuck in, you know, some elbows. Makachev really did his thing on the feet. Um, yeah. Better than anyone else. Yeah. Imagine he that. Had, he had a great fight against Volkanovski. Like I say, letter of the law. You want to, you know, just talk who wins and loses via MMA rules and criteria. This is Makachev's fight. But... And this is the big but. I think Volkanovski wins under pride rules. <laughs> I think Volkanovski wins if there's a sixth round. Oh, yeah. If there's a sixth round, he definitely wins. I'm just saying, sure. you know, we want to get mean, to the classic MMA debate. Like, Zane, who do, yeah. do not get me started on pride rules. I, will, I, know. I will argue for it all day long. I am 100% on board, front yeah. and center. I will steer that ship. I am all for pride rules. I'm just saying pride rules. Alexander Volkanovsky wins this. He gets his hand raised. Man, what a what what a fun fight. And it's yeah. so weird to see how the other man just really thrived in the other one's wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Volkanovsky did a fantastic job of getting up. Yeah. When when he didn't have his back taken, of course. Mm-hmm. But just, just from stand, standard takedowns, I mean – just the way he worked, his hips were just so smart and, and explosive. The man never tired out, continued to push the pace. And, I mean, his stock only went up in this fight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, not like when uh, Max Holloway, you know, moved up to fight Dustin Poirier and got no. absolutely pantsed. No, or when uh, Adesanya moved up to fight Blahovich. Yeah. This you know, is... You know, and 
and you know the whole week um I, i've been saying the whole oh volkanovsky's a live dog doing the betting odds i just didn't see the fight being a blowout like i, yeah. I just c- couldn't envision it i just i've never seen it and so i couldn't just be like oh well makachev did this to so and so so He'll do it to Volkanovski, even though I've never even seen it. In fact, the only thing I've ever seen from Volkanovski in the grappling is is just tremendous work, like no, tremendous it, work. It, it, I took a little bit of heat on the for the vivisection this week from just because we were we called it for Makachev, and I was at least you know thinking about how Makachev could win this fight. I was uh, Makachev could win this fight. I was at least you know fairly confident in the idea of. Makachev is a great game planner. He's great at looking at finding and seeing opportunities for how he can break his opponent down before he even gets to the cage. And I couldn't imagine a world where Volkanovsky gets taken down early, which I knew would happen because he gets taken down. You know, he, he's getting take, gotten taken down in a lot of fights. It's not like Volkanovsky's takedown defense has ever been impenetrable. His scrambling has been great, but yeah. he's, he's he's been taken down by various opponents. Hey, did he get credited with the takedown at all? Volkanovsky, he did not. That's crazy. He got, he got close. He got... He so put cool. Makachev on his knees a couple times. He put him maybe on his butt for a second, but he never actually Got held had a controlled holding takedown. He did get credited with a knockdown, though, in the fifth round, which I'm glad to see because he hit Makachev as Makachev was moving in, and Makachev went down to his knees as he was moving forward, and you could say, oh, Makachev was shooting into that punch or something, and, you know, didn't They're necessarily like the first drop. Round. The same sort of thing. Yeah. Or, like, uh, it looked like Volkanovski scored a knockdown early in the first round, but upon the replay, you see that it wasn't. It yeah. actually didn't. Makachev actually did change levels and go for the takedown. Yeah. So I'm glad to see Volkanovski got credited with the knockdown in the fifth. That was good scoring. But, you know, so for me, I, I took a little heat because my feeling was like, I can't imagine Volkanovsky getting taken down early and finding, even though he's a great adjuster, finding adjustments to come back and win the fight because that also is something I've never seen happen to Makachev. I've never seen him get takedowns and have an opponent just figure out how to, how to, how to adjust well enough to come back and win. And right. you can say, like, I can feel a little bit like I was wrong. Like, Volkanovsky, he may not have won, but he certainly figured it out. See, I mean, I picked Volkanovsky here, and I feel like I feel like I was right. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I clearly picked Makachev, and I won. feel like I was wrong. But I don't <laughs> feel like the fight was scored wrong. Exactly. No, yeah. I, I share those sentiments. Makachev yeah. clearly won this. He deserves it. He came up, he was closer to finishing the fight in more rounds. I mean, this was a great first title defense. He was tested. And I mean, credit to him for calling out Volkanovsky. I mean, that's a, that's huge for your big title defense. And he had a lot of pressure on him. You know, this is his first camp without Khabib. He didn't have Khabib in his corner. So, I mean, this was big for his own personal legacy to be able to step out from that shadow, so to speak, and, and be his own person. So, 
a lot of pressure on Islam, and he was in enemy territory. So for him to rise to the occasion and pull it out and have the toughness to grit out that final round, I mean, man, talk about the heart of a champion. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to discredit him. I'm not going to at all. Like this is this shouldn't this shouldn't diminish Makachev's legacy at all. It should only grow Volkanovsky's, is what I would say. You know, yeah, and it grows. It grows both. Yeah, it grows. grows Yeah, they can both be enhanced by it. Um, and yeah, it definitely like it does. I would also say that it does not really set a clear table for the next title contender going forward for how to beat Islam Makachev either. Cause like, like we were saying, Volkanovsky, he kind of, he lost this fight standing in the first two rounds, you know? Yeah. So for your Dustin Poirier's and your Michael Chandler's, and you're just engages out there and all that. This doesn't really set a clearer table of like, oh well, yeah, but there's the path to beat him right there. It's like in fight, you, the path was fight an incredibly, insanely difficult fight all the way through to the point that Makachev is actually just exhausted from how high paced this is, and then be there in the fifth round to take it to him. That uh, you know. Yeah, Volkanovski can do that, but I'm not going to put that on anybody else's table and say, oh, they they can clearly pick that up. No, but I mean, I, I do believe guys, you know, like you mentioned, Poirier, Chandler, um, Gaethje, they have the one-hitter quitter. Sure. They connect with some of those tricks, and I think Makachev goes out. Sure, you know, but they Volkanovski also— Volkanovski isn't known for, yeah. for being heavy-handed. No, I mean he he has power, but yeah, you're not like they are. It, yeah. the, the only problem for them is, as we've seen, for at least especially for Poirier and for uh, Gagey and for Chandler in a variety of other ways, they may have the power, but they're also far more like they they are entirely unlikely to get taken down and scramble their way back out to victory, you know. We saw we saw Poirier against Khabib. It was not a oh I got taken down and it was fine kind of performance. No, I mean he you know he risked it for the biscuit. He jumped yeah. the guillotine and burned himself out. Yeah, uh, and got his back taken and strangled. And I'm not sure uh, that that would change. I, I you know I know Poirier find he he thinks he made a mistake there, but it's also the kind of thing that he's done his whole career. Is he gonna suddenly not do it? Sure. But I mean, also, I believe that this fight might also give guys more confidence going up against Magachev. Guys, more confidence. Whether they'll, that confidence will earn them anything, it'll give them more. And that, yeah. you know, that in itself can be free. I mean, it certainly, you know, you, you got to look at somebody like Chris Weidman fighting Anderson Silva and guys like that, where it's just like, you know, if they if they feel like they have the confidence to beat the unbeatable champ, then they, you know, a big part of what get, gives really dominant fighters their ability to, to maintain is that people start treating them after a while like they're really dominant. You know, they 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 come in with that gear. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, Fedor made a career off of it. Yeah, yeah. He scared the pants off of everybody. Yep. So, but man, uh, you gotta put Poirier in there. You have to. 
Yeah. That, that's that's what I see. a logical fight to make. All right. So that brings us to the featherweight co-main event. Yeah, Rodriguez, Josh Emmett. And hey, this is the bright side too here. Like, sure, Volkanovsky may not have won. He looked great in defeat. We all love him more for it. But we now have an awesome fight lined up immediately. Turn to turn around, too. Yes, I almost forgot. I almost forgot, Zane. Because Yair Rodriguez, he looked so good against Josh Emmett. Like, I know he got hurt at one point in the first round. There's no way to fight Josh Emmett, especially not the way Yair Rodriguez fights. He just throws, he goes balls, balls to the wall all the time. There's no way to fight Josh Emmett and not get hurt. But every every moment apart from that point where he got hurt, he owned Josh Emmett out there. This was not a close fight. Well, first of all, balls to the wall is not a testicle reference, Zane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you uh, heard John Anik point that out today. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I had never really assumed it was a testicle reference. But what is it? What, what, what is the actual? Do, did he give us the background? Yeah, he did. But I don't, I don't even uh, remember where it came from. Oh uh, man, I'm not gonna. Look, we gotta look up ball. Maybe our producer can look up ball. Oh, it's an, it's an airplane. It's an oh. airplane thing. It's, a, it's yeah. an airplane thing. Okay. Pilots, no. All right. Okay. Well, it's, it has to do with the throttle. The throttle is, has a ball on the end of it. So you oh, put okay. the balls to the wall to power that, up. That You know what? That's all the more fitting because Yair yeah, Rodriguez, high flying, right? Very much so. <laughs> Cheesy little, little analogy, but I'll take it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not here to be. I'm here to be corny. I'm not here to be to be cool. It's hard to <laughs> life for that. Fine. But yeah, Rodriguez looked great. I oh, right away. Yeah. Dude, he stung. He stung Emmett with a liver kick in like the first minute. Mm-hmm. And what I loved is when he got hit back. He, I think this might have been in the second round, but he just started spamming the liver kicks. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you want to hurt me? Okay. Well, here's four kicks to your midsection. And that, that step I and mean, elbow he landed, that was – it was so telegraphed, but it worked. It was the craziest thing ever. It is really insane that some 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 guy early in Yair Rodriguez's career is credited with knocking him out. I've never seen this fight. I barely believe the truth of it. But if Yair's career has told us anything, it's that he is insanely tough. And not just tough, not just durable, but the kind of durable where he is supremely confident in that durability to the point that Josh Emmett went out. He cracked Yair. He hurt him. He put him on the mat, and the court. You know Emmett's corner between rounds. Like he's tasted your power now. He's gonna. It's gonna be a different fight. He's not gonna do the same things to you now that you hit him like that. And round two, it was just if any if anything changed, Yair was just more aggressive. He was just that much more confident about. I should step in and hurt this guy and not take any of his shit because 
the way to beat him is not to respect him. It's to go through him. Well, that's the first part. The other part of that is he spent a lot of time on his back in the first round. And so he got a lot of confidence like, hey, if I do get taken down, it's not that big of a deal because this guy isn't that imposing when he's on top of me. Yeah. And sure as shit, second round comes and he throws that flying knee just recklessly flying knee for no reason and ends up getting, you know, giving up top position because of it. But immediately, I mean, just starts throwing those angry strikes from his back, hammer fists and elbows, and then just did an amazing job of setting up the triangle. He he focused on the arm and he, he was showing the arm bar at first. And then as soon as he saw Emmett move his left hand, he grabbed his wrist and then set up the triangle. And Emmett yeah. was just dead to rights, you know. It was just it got caught with his pants down. It reminded me a lot of a real old school Donald Cerrone performance. Sure. You know, like okay. way back in the day, WEC Cerrone. Yeah. Just yep. going nuts on the feet and then like you know, who loved a triangle from guard after a war more than Donald Cerrone? Oh, yeah. Or like uh, Anthony Pettis, even. Yeah, yeah. It's a very fun, old-school striker way to fight, and I, I you love to see it. Like, it's a ve- it's so against the grain of modern MMA to just be like, I'm going to be reckless as hell and then throw up subs from my back if you take me down. Yeah, and it, my girlfriend was watching the fights with me, and I was like, all right, so this guy Emmett, he's got really heavy hands, good boxing, and he's a decent wrestler. And I was like, but this guy, he's got all the flashy kicks, and he's got really good jiu-jitsu. And I'll be damned if we didn't get all of that in this fight. Yeah. That was and super you know fun. what? Hmm. I was kind of concerned about the submissions. Uh, I, I thought there was a good possibility that Yair might sub Emmett. Because he yeah. damn near sub Brian uh, Ortega. He, I, I would still argue technically he did. I, I know you would. <laughs> he did. Uh, Brian, he put he put pressure on Brian Ortega's arm. Brian Ortega's uh, arm could not take the pressure. That to me is a submission. I don't care. But it's a TKO. It's an injury TKO. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will. I will die on that hill. Yeah, here's the man, though. This was yeah. a fantastic performance. I mean, he looked great. He looked like a champion. And he provides such a unique matchup for Volkanovski. Yeah. And just Volkanovski going from a Makachev to a, a Yair Rodriguez is such a 180. Yeah. I mean, I you know, we talked on the Viva section this week how if Volkanovski had won this fight, it would it would have gone a hell of a long way to some some to really cementing him as the best fighter in the world right now, you yeah. know, just an, inc- it would be an incredible achievement, but I mean, even coming off, if he goes out here out there with the performance he just had against Mahachev and he beats the Rodriguez with the air looking like this, like he is just so goddamn good. You know, These I, are I mean, possibly hard fights. If he does, you know, go back down and successfully defend, Defend against Jair, I say he goes right back up and challenges Islam again. He probably will. He wants to. He said as much. He'll said, I'll be back at 155, but right now I got to go take care of business. So he will probably, he'll probably be back. I don't know. I mean, I, no, win or lose, he'll probably be back in the future just because, you know, guys get old. They want to stop cutting. There's fun fights for him up here. But, uh, and, and now he knows he can hang. Yeah. 
Like yeah. before this, this was, you know, it was a test. And now, yeah, you know, he could easily compete with anyone, I think, at 55. Well, if he can compete tooth and nail with Islam Makachev, then yeah. But, you know, everything else is an option. All right. So we know we got Yair versus Volkanovsky coming up. I can't wait for it. Awesome fight. Already looking forward to it. That brings us to a welterweight bout. Jack De La Maddalena, Randy Brown. And I I knew somebody. I look, I like Randy Brown. I thought his length and his size would have could present a challenge for Jack. Um, not would. I picked Della Madeline. I'm not crazy. But my big <laughs> feeling about this fight was somebody is getting absolutely bulldozed. Because it's either gonna be like Brown is lands a step knee as Madalena steps in and just cleans his clock or Madalena just marches Brown down and Brown isn't ready for it. And we got, we got the latter. It was really cool. Jack De La Madalena is a big problem. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I thought if Randy Brown was going to win, it was going to be some sort of flash submission in a scramble, maybe mm-hmm. like jumping a guillotine or a standing guillotine or something along those lines. Um, but man, Della Madalena showed the fuck up. Yes. Like my guy is is the truth. And I've been high on him for a while. I mean, I've made comparisons to Conor McGregor in, in terms of the way he strikes, the way he boxes. And he's, a, he's a, the same kind of fast starter as Conor. The, same, the kind of guy who minute one fight, you know, start of the fight, he is on his he's at his tempo. He's at his range. He knows exactly what he wants to do. He's, he's got that kind of thing in common, definitely. And just the way he threw the hook while in the clinch, like mm. Randy still had an arm extended for a single collar tie, and Madeline just wrapped around it and came over top and just landed cleanly, and then like landed again as Brown was was falling and, and face planting. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm calling this a club and sub. It is absolutely there, a club and sub. It is the definition. Yeah, there there were some punches in between. Yeah, there can always is, be a little. There, there's a, a little. Yeah. There's space for a little bridge in a club and sub, but the big thing is you drop him, you jump on him, you submit him. Yeah. The jump on him can be any number of things that take, you know, ten to fifteen seconds. I would say. Yeah, that's fair. But this was brilliant. This proves yeah. a lot. You know, he belongs. This was a big test. Brown's a veteran. You know, he's been there. He's fought some really talented people. He's beat, you know, a lot of talented people. Yeah. So for Jack to come out here and just ace him like this, I mean, Great. this man is is quickly rising the ranks. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there. I think, unfortunately, Michelle Pereira is booked. Uh, Neil Magny, or I don't know, Neil Magny just lost, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. The Holland Ponzinibbio winner is out there. Otherwise, I'm also thinking like maybe Muslim Salikov. Yeah. Like, that's, I think, the kind of fight. Like, he needs somebody right at the edges of the top 15 next. Because Randy Brown, I mean, defense, he's doing the work. He's a good fighter, you know? Him and the Leech would be a banger. Yeah, yeah, he would be. Absolutely. Like, those are the kind of fights that he should be in right now is those dudes who are clawing at the edges of the top 15, and he beats one of them, 
then you know get him in Vicente Luque yeah and Vicente Luque oh man yeah him and Jeff Neal like we're gonna you know those are he's one win away from those kinds of fights yeah, he's. I. I mean, I don't think I'm, I'm more excited about another welterweight moving up yeah. right now. Yeah, him. dude is a thrill. All right, that brings us to a heavyweight battle: Justin Taffa, Parker Porter, and um, you know, I feel a little bad for Justin Taffa because he's got this whole like budget mark hunt thing going that he's 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 mike hunt yeah yeah (laughs) okay well wait no no i'm not what kind of show are you trying to turn this is a clean upstanding this is a family show eddie this is a it's 138 in the morning right now for me (laughs) my bad but uh he this was such a mark hunt like performance you know oh yeah this was straight from the pages of the mentor somewhere mark hunt is out there with the biggest grin in the world on his face because justin Tapa just hit that little step step back slide uppercut that hunt loved so damn much and one punch ko'd parker porter couldn't have been (laughs) you know hunt's doing that uh that Jack Nicholson smile and nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he absolutely oh, is. Yeah, man. And there's nothing more gangster than knocking someone out and then just walking away like nothing happened. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so even... cheesy to follow up. Yeah. Losers follow up. Losers throw extra punches. Well, you got one. No. Uh, if there's if there's beef, I get it. <laughs> but if it's just some random fight, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like Hendo dropping that that yeah. that one on on Bisping in the first matchup, like or or uh, Masvidal with the super necessary yeah. ones on Askren. Like there's bad blood there. Like okay, but if it's just a random fight and there's like what are you doing? You're trying to hurt someone just because? <laughs> like, trying to hurt someone? What what kind of evil bastard would try? This is you know a, what I mean. Like uh, like <laughs> unnecessary. You can't fight here. This is the war room. <laughs> <laughs> unnecessary roughness. Yeah, yeah. Still, Justin Toppa. No, this, this is good. Bad. I actually picked against him. I, I thought oh, Porter, Porter was going to... You know, it breaks my heart because I love Parker Porter. I am president of the Parker Porter fan club. He is, he's is. he got technique. He's a yeah, heavyweight who exactly. like jabs. He throws one-twos. He goes to the body. He's, he's all out there. One-two low kick on, on top of like a little three-punch combo and all that. But in a heavyweight, it's durability, power. Those two things are the balance tipper in yeah. almost every fight. And Tapa's the durable one, and he's the powerful one in this fight. Yeah, it's crazy. And I picked Porter because, I mean, I didn't have any reason not to pick him. Like, I know. Tafa hadn't beat anybody. I know. I, I feel you all the, all the way through. It doesn't matter who the better fighter is. At no. Any it just doesn't. Tafa hits like a truck. Porter does not hit like a truck. That's pretty much the math to do at heavyweight. 66 seconds. Yeah. 
Great win for Taffa. Not really a fight to make off of this or anything like that. It just, you know, keeps him relevant, keeps him there to get another action fight in the UFC, something like that. Is Biggie uh, Boy still around? Is who? Biggie Boy. Uh, yeah, Jerzino. Jer- oh, not Biggie Boy. Uh, who am I thinking of? The guy that does the little, like, uh, front flip bomb. Um, oh, oh yeah, yeah, Beast Boy. Um, Beast Boy. Yeah. He's still around, too. Yeah, they could do that. Chris Barnett. Chris Barnett. That that would be a good one. Yeah, that would be that would definitely be a quality fight. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> it would be fun. It would be entertaining, for sure. It would be entertaining. We'd all show up for it. Yeah. All right, that brings us to a light heavyweight bout. Jimmy Crute. Alonzo Menafield, and they should absolutely run this fight back. Ab- both men want it. I would watch the hell out of it. No questions asked. B, what an absolutely hilarious shit show, and I cannot believe Alonzo Menafield lost that fight. Somebody, I don't know who, I don't know if it should be his coach, I don't know if it should be Pat Barry. Certainly, Pat Barry doesn't have any legs to stand on when it comes to, like, fighting the smart fight. But I don't know. Somebody <laughs> out there close to Alonzo Menafield should be absolutely furious with him. Because, my man, you had Crude dead. Dead. Like, mm-hmm. buried, underground, rigor mortis, everything. <laughs> <laughs> and you, he, you, you got you got a you got a draw out of this. Yeah, two rounds easily banked, and you got a draw. It, any more control, any shred more control, and one of those rounds would have been a ten eight for Menafield. Yeah, no kidding. And you got a draw. Like, yeah, he's got to be upset. Low IQ. It is the lowest, not just the fence grab. I'm glad they took the point for grabbing I'm the glad fence. They took though. the point too. Yeah, it was key. It, it, I mean, and, and it, it didn't. It, you could see the narrative of the fight that was already there, and it didn't change it, which is that Crew just took him right down again, and then laid on him the rest of the time. It's just like something. Something has to change. I mean, I I don't know. I say something has to change. He's 35. Something's probably not going to change. But, like, you've got such an incredibly powerful, dynamic athlete. And in crew, you've got a guy who is just barely surviving. He's clinging to the shreds of what brought him to the UFC. And you can see him going through all of the... All of the panic, all of the drama, all of the flashbacks, all of the losses that he has suffered in his career to date at every moment from when he started getting clipped up by Manifield in the first round in the cage. I mean, he's only lost three times, but yeah. But you can see it. Like, <laughs> he was so tired after the first round of this fight. Like, not just hurt, but well, everything was gone. He also got slumped. Like he he, I think I'm pretty sure he got knocked out for a brief second. Yes, he against the fence yeah. when he just did that slump yeah. thing. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he was on autopilot. Yeah, I'm just saying that 
Crude is in the he's in the midst of crisis here. Oh no, and, dude! When they showed when they showed the um the fight stats on the screen before they went to the scorecards, yeah, I mean it it was insane. The amount of significant strikes for Menafield versus Crude was just insane. You'd be like, oh, that was a murder. Yeah, I think they and showed like, well, it. Well, it almost was in the octagon at the time. They showed it as seventy to seventeen, I think. The actual final, we watched the fight back and did it all again, is 56-31 for Menafield. But that was still Menafield doubling up on Crute in both the first and second rounds with a knockdown in each round. Like I said, a shred more control, a shred more of anything, and those one of those would either, either of them could have been a 10-8 round. It's entirely Alonzo Menafield's fight, or fault that he got a draw out of this. You know, <laughs> yeah, low IQ for sure. And I wonder if it's a training issue. I wonder if he gets away with doing that in in training and no one calls him out for it, or if it's just you know, shit, I'm about to get taken down and just kind of yeah, yeah, instinctually grab the, it. The fence grab is panic, but like just the inability to control and maintain any like with that kind of power and that size and that strength, like. Where Where is all the training going? What is it building you if you've got somebody this hurt and you, yeah, you can't, can't seal the deal? Yeah. They should absolutely run it back, though. Absolutely. As soon as possible. Because I want they, that fight was absolute clown shoes, and I want to see it again. Yeah. It, it was fun in the worst way. Yeah. That brings us to a light heavyweight bout. Modestus Bukowskis, Tyson Pedro. And... Um, Bukowskis showed up, and Tyson Pedro did not. Nope. Pedro looked sluggish. He looked sluggish. He looked like – he tried this, like, spinning – I think it was a guard pass in the first round. Yeah. And it was like a cartwheel guard pass that he tried, and it didn't work for shit. And – it looked like that just spent every last ounce of energy he had. And one of my big questions coming into this fight was on the come up, Tyson Pedro was known as being like this really good athlete, hot prospect finisher who made some of the worst fight you decisions that you could ever imagine in your life. Yeah. And then he, you know, he went away for, he had injuries. He had a bunch of problems, took a bunch of time off, came back, Beat Ike Villanueva, not that meaningful. Beat uh, Harry Hunsucker, not that meaningful. Both first round dominant wins. And the question was like, okay, well, has any problem really been solved here? And it's got to feel like the answer is no. Like, as good as he looked in those two wins, he gets a decent athlete here again. He's doing fine. Again, like nor like he used to, and he just makes this terrible decision, and the whole fight goes south from there. I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm not sure what it is either. I, I I'm not, not sure if it was a like a physical thing because he just didn't seem in shape. Yeah, I don't know. Like Bukowskis isn't a fighter who pushes the pace either, and for the he he start. I was just surprised and impressed Bukowskis started this fight out hot. He was throwing early. He was aggressive, much more so than he was in his first UFC run. I liked it. But for the rest of this fight, he just kind of coasted out. 
And it was just the fact that Pedro couldn't bring a fight to him all the rest of the way that meant that it didn't even matter. So I wonder I wonder if um if Pedro kind of petered out um going for that guillotine in the first round. Because he, you know, he 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 was working his wrestling and as Modestus was standing up, he just grabs a guillotine yeah. and just all all his strength into it to to pull it and then keep the momentum to roll into top position. Yeah. And ever since that, I mean, he he just looked fatigued from then on out. Yeah. It really, you know, if this was a fight where both men had questions to answer, I, I hate to say it, but Pedro actually answered more questions than the answers were just much worse. Where it's just like, well, if I, you know, if I if I wasn't necessarily all that convinced by either of your guys' recent wins, because you both were went from facing good competition that you couldn't beat to facing bad competition that you could. Pedro showed up here as the guy who was not actually ready for a step up. And that was the big question that was answered, you know? But I mean, I will credit Pedro for gutting through the fatigue and staying in the fight and, and finding ways to be effective when everything was pretty much getting shut down. Yeah. And, Modestus just seems so much quicker, yeah, so much faster. And so for Pedro to even land strikes when it looks like he's underwater was, you know, credit he, to his heart. He stayed to it. He had heart. It's just, you know, it, 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 it is unfortunate to see for a guy who got to the UFC when he was uh, 24 with, like, the world at his feet – and now he's 31 and you're just like, okay, you know, you've had, e- even with the injuries and everything, there's been a lot of time to improve here. And what, what's changing, you know, if you can't be athletic at 205 pounds, you're in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Bukaskis is, he is more the, he is the low bar of the division, not the high bar of the division. Right. So tough, tough loss for Pedro. All right, that brings us to one of my favorite fights on the card. I was absolutely thrilled because Josh Kulabau is one of my dudes when it comes to guys that I just will root for in the UFC. I get it, man. Josh Kulabau, Melsic Bogdasarian, and Bogdasarian was putting a clinic on Kulabau for one round, one minute, and 55 seconds. <laughs> just kicking him to pieces and the whole first round I'm watching I'm like oh what? like because I think of Kulabau is like he's a pretty clever you know he he get usually gets a good game plan in his head he goes out and he he finds his spots he makes it his fight work even though he's not that much of an athlete and not really any kind of amazing technician in any one area. It's just a guy who he thinks and he creates things. So I'm watching this first. I'm like, man, what do you, you are out here range kickboxing with Melsic Bogdasarian, who's twice as fast as you and twice as powerful. And this is just a, this is just a miserable thing to do. Yeah. Not, not only that, but he also had to eat that nasty spinning back kick to the cup. Yeah. 
and yeah, he got himself kicked in the balls hard, really hard. Man, like not you know maybe not the Chris Tookshire hard, but on the scale, like you're. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're in the same ballpark, so to speak. <laughs> I see what you did there, Zane. Oh man, and it, it was just everything was going wrong for him. And yeah, and then he got headbutted in the second round. Yeah, he got headbutted, and then he figured it out. And people, I saw some people being like, "Oh, what Bogdasari and slipped? What yada yada?" And he jumped on him. Big deal. Whatever. No, no, no. He jabbed him. Kulabau crashed the pocket as Bogdasarian kicked. Mm-hmm. He hit him with a jab, and he crashed the pocket. And drove him to the mat. And that is that is figuring it out. Like that is pure offensive dictation from Kulabau there. And he was on his back so fast. Like man, I he he may not be the fastest, slickest athlete in the world, but that is seeing your opportunity and capitalizing. Oh, yeah. Very opportune. Not only was he he quick to get on the back, he he had the second he took the back, he also had the choke sunk. Mm-hmm. Same time. Yeah. Same time, and then he made the other adjustments. I mean, just it, it's the it kind was like of, a magnet. Yeah, it's the kind of sequence that was so fast that people I think don't even want to give him credit for it. They're like, oh yeah, he just fell into it. It's like no, no, no. That was. A superb moment of technical decision making. Exactly. It was so lightning fast that it seems like it was sheer luck. You know? No, that's that's just being a badass. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> My God, it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> awesome yeah, win for Kubel's Kubel. fun, man. He's so scrappy. Yeah. And it, it almost feels like he shouldn't be there, but he is. And yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm glad he is. And he's won three straight fights, and he's never lost at featherweight. He's got a draw to Charles Charles Jordan, who you know doesn't win all the time, but is a hell of a lot of fun in a tough fight. And then he beat Nurdin Beke, who's now on a three fight win streak, and he beat Sung Woo Choi, who is on a three fight losing streak, but is a very fun hard puncher. And now he beat Bogdasarian, who is on a. Uh, seven fight win streak and these are like he's he's picking up quality wins and he's clawing his way up the division um i I love to see it and you know i i would be shocked if he ever competed for a title i would be shocked if he ever got to the top 10 but this is a dude who could easily be in that alex caceres kind of area where like just constantly clawing at the edges of the elite forever you know yeah, he could be a John Moraga. Yeah, but I, I love that he's a winner. Yeah, like he just finds ways to get it done, and yeah. that's that's really something you can't teach. No, you know I he's just a, a born winner, and definitely you know utilizes that and makes the most of it. Yeah, love to see it, and uh, that was an awesome win, awesome comeback. Really went through all the adversity, and to be. Getting just picked apart, kicked to pieces, nose bloodied, balls broken, uh, to be able to still just have the presence of mind of like, I'm going to 
create and take this advantage the moment I it opens up. That's great. Yeah. That brings us to a flyweight catchweight bout. It was uh unfortunately Rodriguez missing weight here. But uh Cledson Rodriguez, Shannon Ross, and this was the performance I've been waiting for from Rodriguez. He exploded. Uh, yeah. He really had a disappointing debut. Let CJ Varaga um march him down. Or Vergara, is it? I think it's Vergara. Uh anyway. Let uh let Vergara march him down and just beat him up, take a hard fight to him for three rounds. And he's a top, like this kid is a kid who has the athleticism to be a top five fighter, to be a title contender one day. And that kind of loss, it should piss you off. You know, haven't letting somebody like Vergara, who's kind of like, like just a tough, scrappy, not as athletic as you out, go out there and just take a fight to you because you're not ready. It should piss you off. And it, it looks like it did. And it, he yeah. came back out here in this fight, and he trucked Ross. Just not even the slightest question of who 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 was who was going to win, who was dominant in that cage at that moment. Walked through. Oh yeah, right, I mean right away, just kick to the liver. Boom! We saw a yeah. couple of those tonight, and and it was just all downhill for for Ross from there on out. Uh, yeah. I like how Rodriguez or Rodriguez was spamming the spinning kicks. He's like, oh, you're hurt? Here, deal with these spinning kicks. And then the way he switched gears and just started ripping to the body with those hooks. I mean, he was looking like a John Lineker out there. Right. Just brutal. Absolutely brutal. The kid's got form. He's got speed. He's got power. He's got size at 125 pounds. He... He can contend if he can keep this up. It's just about finding the aggression, and this fight looked like he found it. So, and obviously making the weight, that's going to have to be the other thing. But oh yeah, very John Lineker like. Yeah, right. Really, else continue. Yeah. Still, I'm really excited to see it. I hope he can make weight in the future. And uh, this is, you know, this is the kind of fight you want to see a kid like him have, where he had the setback. He had the hard loss, time to wake up and figure out that guys in the UFC are they're too tough, they're too aggressive, they're too used to winning for you to go out there and not pull the trigger and to let them have the initiative. So, right. great fight for, for Rodriguez. All right, that brings us to a lightweight bout, Jamie Malarkey, Francisco Prado, and um, a fine performance from Malarkey in a fight that would have been really sad if he'd lost. I mean, I thought it was a great performance. He looked he looked as great as ever. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. don't I don't think he's ever looked as composed as he was out there. I mean, he fought like the veteran. Yeah. Like just he stayed so composed and stayed behind his jab and just wasn't having any of the takedown attempts and got himself into some trouble uh, with those close Kimura attempts, but you know, just a pretty, pretty solid performance against, you know, someone who was taking a big step up, someone undefeated, someone, uh, you know, who hasn't had the same kind of wars or the same kind of fights that Malarkey has been through, hasn't yeah, fought the same sort of definitely. opposition. 
So uh, I thought Malarkey really handled himself well out there. He did. He fought like the he fought like the seasoned pro. He didn't yeah. he didn't go out there and you know run Prado out of the cage. But he said to himself afterward, the only times I got hit were when I got bored. And <laughs> like you know that's that's what it looked like. It was a huge class above it. Uh, above, you know, huge class difference out there in the cage. Uh, a fight Prado just wasn't ready for on the Argentine scene. He's been a guy who's been crushing the guys who cr- who only crush cans. Like you look at his record, and you're like, yeah, that looks pretty good. There's like a eight and two, a six and one, a five and zero, oh, whatever. These are fights for a kid who's only had like ten pro fights early in his career. These are the kind of fights you'd want to see. And then you look at each of those guys and all of their careers, like guys that are zero and zero and zero oh and one and zero oh and two and zero oh and seven and. He's a can. He's a can crusher. Crusher. Yes. So the, Malarkey was always going to be a huge step up. Um, he physically Prado looked good. His he looked fast. Yeah. He looked powerful. He looked like he has some of the form to compete. Uh, his wrestling is clearly not at UFC level yet. Malarkey though will should probably be absolutely kicking himself for giving giving up that Kimura sweep. Like Prado went for it twice and didn't get it. And then in the third round, Malarkey gives it up. And you know, he's going to, his, his jujitsu coach has got to be going back to him and be like, dude, what are you doing? I mean, not only did he give up the sweep, he just got a shit broken. Yeah. Yeah. That was really close. That was it way was. closer than it needed to be. It was, it was way closer than it needed to be. So, I mean, at the very least, dude, just grab your own shorts. You know, therefore, you just grab your own shorts. It's allowed. You don't have to let the guy just crank on your arm for nothing. But anyway, a solid win for Malarkey, a dominant win. He called out Patty Pimblett after this fight. There's no way he's getting that fight. But, you know, he put on the performance he should have against a newcomer on short notice. That brings us to a featherweight bout. Jack Jenkins, Don Shanus. Going into this fight, I'll admit, I know I I, I know I heard, you know, right when the fight started and all that, like Sheamus has broken three of his last five opponents' legs with low kicks. But coming into this, I was not really all that into the striking I'd seen out of him. Or not Sheamus, but uh, Jenkins. Jake broken, Jenkins, yeah. Broken three of his last five opponents' legs with low kicks. But coming into the fight, I really was not all that into his striking. I'm much more into it now, afterward. Uh, he looked like a clear class above Shanus out there. I really like how busy he is. I like how much he t- how how much he changes targets, how much he went to the body, and yep. of course he kicks like a fucking mule. So no kidding. Cool. And not only that, but in the same way in the co-main event where you know Rodriguez would get tagged and immediately come back with with something harder. Yeah, we saw the same thing here. Yeah. Shanus, he landed a good leg kick of his own, and Jenkins was like, nah, <laughs> and just came yeah. right back with an even harder one to let him know, like, I'm the leg kicker here, not you. This is one of those fights where if you watched it, maybe drunk, I don't know, high, um, with a squint, it looked like it was a very physically competitive fight. Like, there was lots of back and forth scrambling. Shanus landed a lot of his own strikes. It was very, uh, there were a lot of messy moments where they guys, they would tie up and 
like Sheamus might get a takedown for a minute or Jenkins would get a takedown and get swept, things like that. Sheamus kept spinning through back control and all that. But in terms of the actual physicality of the techniques landed throughout the fight, it was an unquestionably one-sided bout. Where Jenkins, everything Jenkins did was just much harder and much cleaner. Oh, he had all the sting. Yeah. All the sting. I mean, this was a a really complete performance, too. We really got to see him work everywhere and and do good things in all facets. So, solid win. Yeah, I liked it. It wasn't, you know, he didn't get the knockout. He didn't get the, the submission. It wasn't a brilliant highlight win. But in terms of a young fighter developing a technical game that's rugged and has power and can do a lot of things, I like this fight a lot. I liked what I saw out of Jenkins. Right, that brings us to a woman's strawweight bout. Loma, Lukbunmi, Elise Reed, Eddie, do, do you want to lead with the, 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 the bad, sure. the, the, the sad vibes? It's not sad vibes because, no. uh, you know, I got to spend a little bit of time with Loma out in Thailand. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. And I, got, I got to watch her train. You so had mutual out of rooting interests on both sides. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of both. I, I love Elise Reed. Um, but to see Loma come out and, and get a submission win, I mean, that warms my heart. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I know how hard George and Frank Hickman, Alex Shield – how long they've been working with her and her grappling and and her jujitsu and trying to get her, you know, as ready as possible to be competing with, you know, some damn good grapplers in the UFC. Yeah. And for her to finally come out and especially after, you know, being in some bad positions in that opening round to come out and just immediately get the takedown, immediately take the back and then sink the choke. I mean, I love Elise Reed. I, I don't like seeing her lose, but I mean I I'm just really proud of Loma for this performance. This is well, we're talking about this just with Jack Jenkins. Uh, Talk about talked about a bit with Clayton Rodriguez too. Um, And this is also like you know, if you're Jamie Malarkey with the getting swept by the Kimura and almost getting your arm busted, this is the kind of thing too you'd hope would light a fire under Malarkey's ass. Like this is what you want to see out of elite athletes in competitive situations where they get humiliated somehow for Jenkins, you know, it was uh, getting the low kick and then coming, like, eating a hard low kick and then coming back with, like, two or three more of his own. For Rodriguez, it was losing his debut miserably to Vergara. And you want to see that light the fire immediately to come back and show up their opponent and do something better. And for Luke Boonmi, you could tell, like, she got that that takedown in the first round to top half guard, and she got swept and beat up for the rest of the round there. Mm-hmm. And you could tell in round two when she came out that that was just nothing could have made her more upset and made her feel more dumb than getting swept like that and beat up after all the work she'd done because she just went right out there, grabbed Elise Reed, threw her on the mat, and jumped on her and choked her out. It was just like... I should never, this should never have, there should never have been a question. That's what you want to see. That's that's great to see. Like, that's, yeah, that is awesome performance right there. What an adjustment in between rounds. Yeah. And Loma is so much fun. She is. She is. When she's rolling, things are great, and I love to see it. 
kind of want to see her take on Yasmin Haragui next, you know? Sure, I'll show up for any Loma fight. Yeah, really, just anybody scrappy who's going to come out there and throw with her, that's what I want to see. And I mean, I, honestly, I love the fact that she's so willing to grapple, too. Yeah. Like, in the cage, she's getting her experience, and it's not like, oh, I have to defend the takedowns, or I have to find separation. Yeah. It's like, no, I can hit takedowns, too. Like, yep. She's she's a you know really turning into a well-rounded fighter. She is. Love to see it, and uh, love to see her staying competitive in this strawweight division as one of the smallest women in it. So, great performance from her. That brings us to a featherweight bout: Blake Builder, Shane Young, and um, yeah, all right, fight. Good performance from Builder, actually. I'll just say straight out. Um, rough outing from Young. Builder, I mean, Young got every opportunity to be in this fight. He got taken down early and, you know, controlled a bit on the mat. But after that, he had all the opportunities he needed to stand and beat Builder standing. And he could not find the range. He couldn't find the timing. He couldn't find the angles. Uh, A lot of good movement from Builder. Good power in his shots. A lot of smart fighting from him. And for, you know, a, a young prospect... Coming off the regional scene where where he was a a solid champ with a pretty limited game, honestly, like really fundamentally limited striking, some good back takes, but not a lot of anything else that was really dominant. Uh, This looks like just, you know, a really controlled, solid performance from him. So, No, his footwork was phenomenal out there. That's that's what won him the fight. I mean, I didn't think he looked all that powerful, honestly. Like, he had a lot of volume, but it didn't seem to have a lot of sting on it. Young was definitely the, the harder hitter out there. But um, Young, he couldn't he couldn't make Builder pay for botching the takedowns. Yeah. And he had to. He really, he really had to. But, so, yeah, solid win. Yeah, solid win. Solid debut. That brings us to our true moment of controversy for the night. Zubara Tukugov, Elvis Brenner. I, I, I Now that he's won a fight in the UFC, I won't call him Elves anymore. <laughs> Elves Brenner. El- Elvis Brenner. I can see the argument for Brenner winning this fight. The first round was bad. The third round was bad. Zubair Tukugov fought a bad fight. In fact, I think this whole uh, lightweight move for him is probably pretty poorly considered. Made all all the worse by the fact that he missed weight moving up a division. But there's no way that Tukugov lost the second round. So for one judge to give Elvis Brenner that round makes no sense at all. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I can see the first, and I can see yeah. the third. Yeah. Right? He did damage in the first. He split yep. to Kugog open. Yeah. You know? He, he landed really hard low kicks in the first. He he cut him open. Those to me, I scored the first for Brenner. I thought, you know, you know, I felt like okay, you know, you've had a pretty equal round trading, where you landed hard strikes. And you did a little damage. Judges are going to see that your way. They did. Made yeah. sense. 
and the third round. I mean, he's the one that went for it, right? Like he's yeah. the one that, you know, tried down the stretch and actually yeah. tried to win the fight. And so Tukulov just hugged on him and draped on him and tried to slow him down. Tukulov did over the second and third round, I think, land all the cleaner, more powerful strikes when he threw. But he spent the third round trying to coast out the wind. Or coast out the wind. Yeah. And you hate to see that. So I don't have a big problem with Tukugov losing a fight, but he clearly won that second round. He won the second round so much. I mean, I even put that in the result post. You know, I said, you know, Brenner started to rally at the end of the round, but, you know, it wasn't enough to win the round at all. Yeah, yeah. No way. That's, That's crazy. And, it, you know, the, his punches were cleaner. Brenner went away from the low kick. So that was that those were his one clean strike that he was throwing. And he went away from that. So, you know, you, and so you've got like Tukugov outlanding him via the stats. I know judges don't have the stats, but outlanding him 36 to 23 in that round with harder, better punches without the benefit of Brenner's kicking game. There's just no question about it. So, do you do you know the official's name who who gave Brenner all three rounds? Uh, Evan Field is Evan the one. Field. I don't. I'm not familiar with him at all. No, I think it must be a a local judge for that one, and he shit the bed. So. Oh, that reminds me. Shout. Shout out to uh, longtime MMA referee Steve Percival for not getting booed for the first time in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of looking forward to it. He's always getting uh, booed, but not this time. Yeah. All right. So I, I think, I mean, if you're going to put lay the blame for who lost this fight and why at somebody's feet, the blame goes to Takugov. He fought bad in the third round in a fight that was close. And I'm not, you know, going to mourn him losing. I don't feel like it's some tragedy that he didn't win the decision. But that card from field is absolutely terrible. And Yeah, I don't think he won the – I mean, I scored it for Brenner. And and he uh, – Takugov missed weight by yeah. a pound and a half. So I don't, I don't feel bad for him at all. You know, I no. thought he lost the fight. And I thought he, I thought he won the fight, but I thought he, I thought he would win the fight on the judges in a fight that I would like to not see him win. You gave he fought the bad Did fight. you give him the first or the third? The third. I thought he'd win. I thought he would get the third. I okay. thought he landed the cleaner strikes, and I figured that his his horrible clingy control would be rewarded. Um, I'm I'm fine with it not being like that. Doesn't. No, no part of that makes me wa- like feel like, oh, well, he should have won it because anyway. Uh, note from our producer before we wrap this up. Fight of the night, Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Performance of the night, Jack Della Maddalena and Yair Rodriguez. Let's see. Somebody got robbed. Kulabao uh, got robbed. Kulabao got robbed. <laughs> That's the man. I was like, who got Ratafa? He had the walk off. That was nice. Clayton dominated. Oh yeah, Luke he got Rodriguez. had the comeback. Those were all good. But I mean, yeah, like he. I'm, I'm not surprised. Coming event, he did good things. I, I would. 
honestly say that what Jack Matt, De La Maddalena did was not as impressive as the other people, as Kulabau, or even necessarily Taffa. Or mm, I'm going to stop you right there, Zane. He a club and sub is always um, performance bonus worthy. Okay, okay. Well, fair enough. It's not any crimes committed, but I hope the UFC shoots Joshua Kulabau an extra an extra few thousand dollars. Anyway, yeah. on that note, we're going to wrap things up. You can find me on Twitter. At the but wait, but wait, but wait, Zane. What about the our, our uh, Patreon? Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Should have led with the it. show going. I should have led with it. For those of you who love the six round post fight show, please, please, please. We have a Patreon now. It'll be in the post for this. It'll be on SoundCloud. It'll be wherever you're looking at it. There should be a link there. Otherwise, it's at patreon.com slash MMA vivisection. Here's a Patreon to support the vivisection, the sixth round, the MMA depressed us, all the shows I host, but it also is helping out our co-hosts, Eddie Mercado, Connor Rebush, and our producers. So if you love our shows, if you listen to our shows, if you we've been at this for a long time, if you've been listening to our shows for the last five, ten years almost at this point. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. Please subscribe. Please, you know, help us out. Help us keep this thing going and rolling forward as Bloody Elbow transitions out of the Vox universe into the world. The, the unknown reaches. So thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find me on Twitter at the same time. You can find Eddie on Twitter at the Eddie Mercado. You can find both of us over at BloodyElbow.com. Give us a like. Subscribe to our podcasts over on Bloody Elbow Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. And we'll be back. Well, actually, I won't be back. So uh, we may not be back for Andrade versus, well, now, actually, a slight upgrade. Yeah, Andrade versus Blanchfield was going to be Santos versus Blanchfield. But also, that card is terrible. So, um, <laughs> you know, if you all find I'm finding something else to do that night. If the rest of you find something else to do that night, then that's not the worst idea in the world. Until then, <laughs> have a good one. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Bivis Section, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, The Hey Not the Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play by Play for every UFC pay per view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at facebook.com slash bloody elbow blog and as always on bloodyelbow.com. <laughs>